Here we go. Hi, everybody. This is Kristen Savory of the Thyroid Podcast, where I am bringing you more information to help you support your thyroid and balance your hormones. Because at the end of the day, wouldn't it be great if you could actually be your very best? Every time I do one of these podcasts, I like to bring you information and talk to people that can give you at least one golden nugget. And today I'm continuing a conversation with Dr. Kathy Fry, who I'm sure will bring you even more than one nugget. Dr. Kathy Fry, she is a master homeopathist, right? No, how do you say it? Master of homeopathy. A master homeopath. A master homeopath. And she's here today. We talked to her last week a little bit about her history in, in homeopathy, what brought her there. She was a practicing OBGYN, and then along this kind of amazing magical path, she came into homeopathy. And today, we will talk a little bit more about how homeopathy in general works for the body. And then we're also going to go over a remedy that's really helpful for colds and flus, because many women that have a low-functioning thyroid also have a low-functioning immune system. So it's something that we kind of battle with often. So... Without further ado, and without ruining any surprises, Kathy, welcome back. Thanks, Kristen. So good to be back with you. It was so much fun last time we did it. Just yak, yak, yak about all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> we can talk for a while, can't we? That's true. That's true. <laughs> we both are in the rubric loquacity. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that what that really shows is that both of us have a really uh, strong passion in helping others. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So, Kathy, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, about homeopathic, how homeopathics work. I think it's kind of okay. an inclusive type of medicine for a lot right. of people, and I think a lot of people will be interested in how it can work and how it could work for them. Right. Well, I want to start briefly with a teeny tiny little story about the history of homeopathy, where it came from. Because mm. a lot of people are confused about homeopathy. They think, well, is it herbal medicine? Is it regular medicine? Is it Eastern medicine? Is it like Chinese medicine? And so there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty about what it is. So briefly, homeopathy comes from the Western medical tradition. It started... In, it was started, or the principles of it were discovered in the late 19th century, actually late 18th century, by a German physician whose name was Samuel Hahnemann. Mm. And so the name Hahnemann might be familiar for people who are from back east because there is a hospital in Philadelphia called Hahnemann Hospital. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that uh, at the turn of the last century, at the turn of the 20th century, like the late, at the beginning of the early, end of 1800s, early 1900s, a third of the physicians in America and a third of the hospitals in America were homeopathic hospitals. So homeopathy had a big tradition in uh, America in the days before antibiotics and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so Hanuman was a physician. He lived in, in the eastern part of Germany in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And he's a guy who, you know, back in the 1700s, if you lived past 45 or so, you were considered old. Well, Hanuman lived to be well into his like almost 80. Mm. So he was a really interesting man. He started out as a regular physician. But in those days, if you'll remember anything from the history of medicine, 
back at the 18th century, the way that they treated disease was they used mercury and arsenic and all kinds of things to make people either sweat or to bleed them or to purge them by vomiting or giving them diarrhea. Because the idea was that there were these four humors that you were supposed to balance and you did it by basically sweating them, bleeding them and so on and so forth. So that was in the days when they used, you know, where they actually lanced people's blood vessels and drained blood from them, which by the way is how George Washington died. George oh, Washington. really? Yeah, George Washington had like a really bad cold and his doctor, at, you know, which they did at the time, kept bleeding him and bleeding him and literally bled him to death. Wow. Yeah, so, so much for how medicine was in those days. Uh, so Hahnemann was kind of appalled uh, by the treatments that they had in, the, in those days. He thought, you know what? In many ways, the treatment is worse than the disease. Mm. So he was basically kind of disgusted about the whole thing. And so he quit the practice of, of regular medicine, but mm-hmm. had a wife and seven kids to feed. Mm-hmm. So how he did it was he started translating from the Greek and Latin into German. He started translating all these ancient medical texts of Hippocrates, uh, Paracelsus, Galen, and all those people. And in the course of doing that, he learned some very interesting principles. And one of the principles he learned, which became the foundation for what he would later call homeopathy, is the principle that like heals like. Right. So when you give a substance to someone, it brings on a set of symptoms. And the reason it brings on a set of symptoms is because everything that God created has a, an energetic component and a physical component. Mm-hmm. And when you give a substance to someone, they're getting not only the physical component, but they get the energetic component, which interacts with their own energetic system, mm-hmm. which conventional medicine, we have no way of talking about. You know, we have to borrow language from Chinese medicine where they talk about qi or Ayurvedic medicine where they talk about prana, the life force. Right, right. And in homeopathy, we call it the vital force. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Hahnemann you know, basically discovered from doing all this research and all these ancient medical texts is that there was more principle, that there were some basic principles of healing that he saw were missing in the conventional practice of medicine at the, at the time. So an interesting thing happened. There was a physician who came from Scotland. He had gone to Peru and he came back from Peru and he brought with him some quinine bark, which the natives in Peru called cinchona bark. And this um, Dr. McDonald, I think his name was, basically presented a paper uh, at a medical conference. And he said, well, this bark that the Indians use to treat malaria, the reason it works is because it has a bitter taste. Mm. And Hahnemann thought, well, that doesn't make any sense because there's a lot of things that have a bitter taste and they don't work for malaria. So he was curious. So what he did was he took some of this quinine bark and he took a little bit of it himself every day. And within about a week, what do you think happened? Oh my gosh, did he get the symptoms of malaria? Well, all the symptoms of malaria. It's a very distinct picture. So when people have malaria, they get a fever that really gets really, really high. They can, I mean, they can spike a fever 105, 106. They can have seizures. And then when the fever breaks, they get these horrible shaking chills so bad that their teeth chatter. I mean, people have been known to actually break their teeth from the rigors, from the chatter. And this was 100 years before Pasteur. This was before anybody knew anything about the malaria carried by a parasite, right? Mm-hmm. And so Hahnemann thought, well, there has to be something intrinsic in this substance that the natives use for healing if it can bring on the set uh, it can bring on the symptoms of malaria. So that was kind of the first un, uh, unofficial, what we call approving 
of homeopathic remedies. So every remedy that we have, we have about 5,000 of them now, they've all been proven on healthy people and usually by homeopaths. So for example, when they wanted to do a proving of the remedy called thyroidinum. So thyroidinum is actually made from thyroid. It's made wow. from I think, pig thyroid. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they take that, that thyroid and they grind it up and mm -hmm. they put it in water or alcohol in what's called a mother tincture. And mm -hmm. if you're an herbalist, many times herbalists will just use the raw mother tincture of the herb dissolved in water. Or, oh, right, right. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Totally. So that's how herbal medicine works is they yeah. use the raw tincture ground up with the plants, leaves and seeds or whatever. They grind it up and then they give you this tincture to take, which when I took Chinese herbs one time, it, all, it just all tasted like dirt to me. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a strong earthy flavor. <laughs> Absolutely. Which it makes sense because these are made from substances in the earth, right? Right. Uh, but in homeopathy, what Hahnemann discovered was that you can't necessarily give, well, the first thing he discovered is that when you give someone a substance, it brings on a set of symptoms, but they don't give them the mother tincture. Homeopathy works by diluting out these substances. So what they do when they do the proving, for example, when they did the proving of thyroid, they take the thyroid, they make the mother tincture, but then they do serial dilution. So they take one drop of that mother tincture and mm -hmm. they put it in 99 drops of water and then they pound it on the table like a hundred times. So what Hahnemann discovered was the power of the medicine is released not just by dilution and not only by what he called succussion or pounding it. It has to be a combination of dilution and succussion. Oh, it has to be both. It has to be both to, in order to release the energy that's intrinsic in this healing, in, in whatever substance you're going to use for healing. Mm -hmm. So when they did the proving of thyroid, they used a 3C dilution, meaning they take one drop of that mother tincture, they put it in 99 drops of water, pound it 100 times. Hahnemann used to pound it on the family Bible. Then oh, they, wow. <laughs> then they took one drop of that 1C dilution, uh -huh. and then they put that one drop into 99 drops of water, pound it 100 times. That's a 2C dilution. Okay. Then they take one drop of that 2C dilution, put it in 99 drops of water, and they use, a, that's a 3C dilution, which is what they use for the proving of thyroid. So when they did the proving of this remedy called thyroidinum, meaning just raw thyroid, when they did the proving, what the people who did the proving on, they, number one, they have no idea what they're taking. So they just take this little substance that's been diluted three times, and when they get to the liquid, they put it in pellets, and then you just uh -huh. take the pellet. And so uh -huh. they begin to take the pellet once, or you know, they take it uh, a couple of times a day. Uh, actually, they usually start by taking it once a day for a few days until they begin to develop symptoms. So the healthy individual has no idea what they're receiving. No. So there's no kind of placebo effect or no, anything like that. They have no idea what they're taking. They're, they just know that they're taking this little white tablet. They know they're taking something that's diluted. They're, they're taking a substance that's been diluted three times and pounded three times. Mm -hmm. And when they, so before they do the proving, they, uh, so most of the time when provings are done, it's done by, you know, 20, 30 people, usually homeopaths. Mm -hmm. And they write down before they even take the proving, they kind of write a little journal about, you know, I sleep eight hours a day. You know, I usually like to eat these kind of foods. I'm allergic to this kind of foods. I tend to be hot or cold, whatever. So that the, the per supervisor of the proving has a baseline of what is normal for this person. Right. Then they begin to take the symptoms or take the substance and then they begin to get symptoms. So when they took, did the proving of thyroid, what's, what do you suppose the symptoms they started to get were? 
Oh man, I bet that I bet that they started sleeping a lot more. I bet they had low energy. Yep. I mean, did it get so bad that they were having things like their hair falling out and stuff you like know, that? Only I think if they, uh, well, usually what happens when they do the proving is they take it just until they begin to get symptoms and then they stop it. But mm. some remedies, some act so long that even after they've been off of it, let's say they only took it for a week. Sometimes the symptoms of really deep acting remedies can last for, go on for a month or two. And oh then, my goodness. Uh-huh. And they just keep writing down every single symptom they have. Right. So they did the proving of thyroidinum. Every person who had these symptoms, they wrote down exactly what symptoms they had. Haven't right. had my bowels move for four days. My hands are cold. My feet are cold. I'm really tired. My uh -huh. hair feels like it's starting to thin or it just feels a little dull. I notice my skin, I'm starting to get a little puffy. All the things that people complain about with thyroid disease. Wow. People get them. And so the supervisor then at the end of the proving takes all the notebooks. So everybody meticulously writes down all those symptoms. And then everybody who did the proving gives their notebooks to the supervisor. And the supervisor goes through and they look at all the symptoms people have. And when they see the symptoms that are the most common, then those are the ones that we say are most characteristic of a particular remedy. Oh, okay. So now, okay, so you brought up the example of thyroidinum. So, um, you know, what I don't want to see happen is that all these people hear this, right? That thyroidinum, this is an effective remedy, blah, 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 blah. Because and then they all run out and take it because, right, like if you have a thyroid condition, right. really, there could be 10 different remedies that you might. I really should check and see on my, I don't know if I can, if I um, can check in my program and see real quick without losing you. But I'm gonna look real quick on my computer because I have, um, fortunately, I now have a program that, um, that has the text of about um, uh, a thousand books on it. Back in the old days when I first started in the late 80s, we had to use a big book and graph paper, but fortunately we have this computer program. So if I just look under here under, uh, let's see, let's look for example under hypothyroidism. So if we look at, there are 38 remedies for hyper, hypothyroidism. There are th 38 different remedies for hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And then there are um, 126 remedies for hyperthyroidism. Wow. So, okay, 38 different remedies that you for can- For low thyroid. Right, for low thyroid. But you would never start that way, right? You wouldn't be- no. Oh, hey, I was diagnosed with low thyroid, and then you would limit yourself to those 38 remedies. It's more about taking a client's complete history, Absolutely. finding out how long does it take to take a person's history at this no, level. I usually, I usually schedule an hour, hour and a half. And uh -huh. what I tell them is I want them to tell me their whole history of their whole life. Because what I'm looking for is, because homeopathic remedies work energetically, what right. I'm looking for is, where they're, what, what's the level of their vitality? What's the level mm -hmm. of their vital force? How strong is it? Mm -hmm. And where in the course of their life did it get depleted? Right. And the reason that it's, that's so important to look at is because, well, when you're really healthy, it's like you have a vital force that's like, a, like your tuning fork that you're buzzing at about a million cycles a second. Right. It's vibrating along really healthy. And when you're healthy like that, you sleep great, you can eat whatever you want, you exercise, you have a good sex drive, you're a happy person, and everything just kind of works like it's supposed to. Yeah, you're vibrant. Uh-huh. Right? 
Yes, right. right. And that's what health is about. You're not having to think about, oh, you're not having to micromanage your biochemistry by taking a pile of supplements every day. You don't have to go and see the doctor once a week or, you know, you're not constantly having to maintain uh, yourself. You just have this state of health that you enjoy and you live your life. Right, in the right. Of living, things happen, especially in our busy society where we're exposed to so much. We're going all the time. We live in a pretty toxic environment sometimes. Mm -hmm. What happens is over the course of living, the vital force just takes a hit. So depending on what kind of childhood you've had, let's say you have a really, you were sick as a kid or, or your mom was sick during her, your pregnancy with her, right, during right. her pregnancy with you, or you're the one of seven kids. Let's say you're seven out of seven. Well, do you, how, how, how strong do you think your mother's vital force is after she has grown from scratch seven kids in <laughs> years? I mean, my mom had five kids in six years. Right. Right. I'm the oldest, so I got the most juice. <clears throat> <laughs> As we can tell. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is that you have this uh, depletion of your vital force. So when your vital force gets depleted, you know, you fall off the jungle gym, you hit your head, your parents go through a divorce, uh, you're bullied on the playground, high school, you know, all, everybody got their <laughs> vital force depleted by high school, right? And so what happens is every time the vital force, if it takes a big enough hit, where it's affected by something that leaves an emotional, mental, psychological, or physical um, imprint on you, mm -hmm. then you develop symptoms. And those right. symptoms are the language that your vital force uses to communicate, hello, you know what, uh, something's off. You know, the tank is not full. You know, my, you, know what I, you know what I love about this, Kathy, right? Mm -hmm. How many times do you talk to people and they're talking about their symptoms and they're thinking it's bad? Right. Or that, you know, there's a judgment, right. there's a judgment right. on top of the symptoms. Or that people think the symptoms is their disease. Yeah. They think, oh, well, um, you have these symptoms that go along with hypothyroidism mm -hmm. and then you go and get your blood work done. Sometimes the blood work shows that it's, uh, sometimes the blood work says your thyroid is low. Sometimes the blood work doesn't show it up. Right. There's a lot of people walking around with low thyroid function where they're still kind of barely in the range of the blood work or maybe their blood work is fine, but they have all the symptoms. Right. Right. And so what you're saying, I love this. Uh, you know, one of my teachers said a long time ago to me, said, first, the body talks and whispers. Yeah. Right? Yes. And if you don't listen to those whispers and uh -huh. make adjustments or, you know, address that then the body will talk a little louder, i.e. talk. So first it's whispers, then it talks. And then still, if you're not making adjustments to that, then the body's going to scream at you. Absolutely. So at a foundation in terms of working with a homeopath, one of the things that you consider so important, what your mindset when you're working with somebody is you want to hear the story. You want to hear exactly how do you feel? What are the symptoms? Right. That is the language of the body. Right. What do you dream about? You know, do you have it? Like, for example, when they did in England, they did a number of years ago, they did the proving of chocolate. Mm. So they took chocolate, they diluted it out three times in a 3C dilution, put it on pellets, give it to these homeopaths, had no idea they were taking chocolate. And they did it in England. Um, and so one of the big symptoms that, so they do the, get the proving of chocolate. The, they all started uh, they, dreaming about chocolate. <laughs> no, what they dreamt about, well, maybe I'll have to look and see, maybe they did have dreams of chocolate, but the one <laughs> that I remember that they dreamt about, they dreamt about hedgehogs. 
So there were like 30 people in the proving and something like 21 people had dreams of hedgehogs. I mean, I've never had a dream about a hedgehog in my life. Of course, we don't have them here. They have them in England. But I mean, when, so when you see a patient who comes in, so for example, I took a case sometime a number of years ago and I suspected that this woman um, needed chocolate because they crave chocolate. They either mm. crave chocolate or they have an aversion to chocolate. They love to run. This is a big remedy for runners, like ultra marathon runners many times they need the remedy chocolate. They're like way out of balance with the amount of running they're doing, right? Right. Um, and so with this one woman, I said to her, so, you know, do you ever have dreams? Or especially if they have a recurrent dream, like a dream they dream over and over again, that's like homeopathic gold. And right. then I said to her, um, do you, you know, you have any, ever have any particular dreams? And she said, not really. And I said, oh, not even about these little hairy creatures. She's like, no, which is like as a homeopath, you're not supposed to ask the question that way. You're supposed right. to be open-ended. And I was waiting for her to say, oh yes, I drew about something that looks like a porcupine, but might be a hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I gave her chocolate anyway, because she had so many other symptoms that, that suited the proving of chocolate. So right. for example, going back to the whole thyroidinum thing. So we have one remedy called thyroidinum, which is a pretty common remedy for thyroid, people who need thyroid. But there's also a remedy called iodotum, which is made from iodine, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's also a good remedy for, for uh, hypothyroidism. But people who need iodotum, they tend to be really, really hot. Where people mm. who, need hypo, uh, who need thyroidinum, not so much. Right. And, have, and so, uh, so, like I have one client I take care of, I've been taking care of for years. She has both hypothyroidism and hyper in the same thyroid. Mm -hmm. She has uh, Graves' disease and Hashimoto's disease, or she did. And so when I just would take her case and put her on these remedies based on what her symptoms were that matched the proving, she takes these remedies. And over time, not only did her thyroid function come back to normal, but we were able to wean her off her thyroid medicine. Yeah, great. You know, and another, another piece that's just kind of coming through for me really clear right now is that I think so much some of the frustration with um, thyroid personalities is that they feel really lumped into one big group, right? Anybody with this diagnosis is the same, which is so untrue. Well, and I think that the other piece is, is that, you know, there's only about a hundred different symptoms that go in to a thyroid case, right? I mean, it's such a laundry list of things that you might be experiencing. That I think oftentimes um, low low functioning thyroid or just malfunctioning thyroid people tend to um, feel kind of glummed into one group, not really seen, not really heard, um, and and kind of feel like they're just not really understood in general. So just right. to hear that there's you know 38 different subtypes potentially. Um, You can have 50 women or 50 people with hypothyroidism and they're each going to need a different remedy. The route of how they got there, how their vital force got depleted is completely unique for them. Some people, they develop hypothyroidism as a result of an emotional shock. Some people, it's from the chronic distress of living in an abusive family. Some people, it's after a car accident. Some people it's after, well, I mean, the obvious ones of, you know, um, back in the old days, and they used to treat acne with radiating people and they radiated their thyroid. Right, right. I took care of a client in Chicago and um, 
they completely blasted her whole thyroid. So she's had low, I mean, she's had no thyroid function her whole life. She's wow. completely deplete, dependent on thyroid medication. And of course you can imagine she's had been from up and down every dose and, and the late, the slightest little thing will make her, you know, her dose is either too much or it's too little. And right. yeah. And right. she's, I mean, I think they aided her thyroid when she was like 11 or 12. Right. Right. Now in her sixties. And, really struggles with that. But the good news is, is that if you have a thyroid that is, hasn't been radiated or removed, even if you've had part of it removed, if you still have some left, when you go on a homeopathic remedy, which works energetically to restore the vital force, you start taking the remedy and your vital force is like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the energy I needed. It's like a tuning fork. The homeopathic remedies work like a tuning fork. They work more like what an acupuncture needle does. Mm-hmm. So acupuncture needles, which, you know, you know this better than anybody, they work on these energetic meridians. They work at the interface between where the energetic um, meridians meet the body, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so homeopathic remedies do the same thing. They're just, the, when you take this pellet, there's no actual substance in there, especially since most of the remedies that we get, that you get in the health food store, like are a, a 30C, let's see here. Here's, here's so one that's a 30C dilution. You took us through a... Uh, what would, what is we talked about that. Yeah. So this is a remedy I'm taking for, um, uh, because I had a little problem <laughs> overdoing it in yoga the other day and it hurt when I moved and I thought, Oh, well, this is a bryonia symptom. So this is the remedy I've been taking for that, which really helped bring relief. So bryonia alba 30 C. So this means it's been diluted out from this plant bryonia, which mm -hmm. is hops. Actually the hops they use to make beer. That's what this is. Oh. Most of the remedies are made from plants, but we also have remedies made from rocks. We also have remedies made from disease things. Like right. a big remedy for a lot of people is a remedy called carcinosin that's made from a breast cancer. Right. Yeah. Well, and you're so, even saying a remedy made from pus? Yes. So there is a great remedy called pyrogenium, which I love this remedy, but it's so disgusting. It's made from rotted meat pus. So they, they took a hunk of meat, they just let it sit out there and then it got all that, you know, gross and they got this purulent material in it and they took that purulent pus, that pus, uh -huh. and they put it in uh, water. That mm -hmm. was the mother tincture. Then you don't give somebody the mother tincture of pus that would make them sick, but then you take one drop of that pus, that, that, um, that's it. And you put it in, dilute it in 99 drops of water, and then you pound it 100 times. That's right. a one C. And then you do that 2, 3, 12, 15, 30, 200, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000. I'm on a remedy. I just finished a remedy that's probably been diluted 2 million times by machine. <laughs> Nobody has uh -huh. to but okay, so the C, so the C means a hundred. Yes, the M means a thousand. Uh huh. Wait, wait, what is it? Wait, what is a thousand? Uh, M. Like it's Roman numerals. So right, C, M is a thousand. X is ten. Okay. So, for example, when you see in the health food store, uh, they oftentimes have combination remedies that'll have seven or eight remedies in them. They'll each be like a six X or a ten X. It means that it's only been diluted in 10 drops of water each dilution six times. Right. And so that's not a very, because here's the other thing. The more times you dilute it out, the stronger, the more potent the remedy, the deeper it works because the more energy it has. So like see, a 6X maybe has this much energy. A remedy that's diluted 10,000 times has like this much energy. 
Right. First start working with people, especially people that I see who are pretty sick, that when you first start them, I'm not going to give them a remedy that has this much juice, right? Right, because their vital force is so far away from that, Absolutely. Right? You rattle their cage. So what you do is you start to you, um, give them a remedy like a six seed, which is the lowest uh-huh. potency we have. <laughs> One time I had this client, she, had, she came to see me when I was still doing OBGYN. She came to see me because she was bipolar and she was starting to go through the menopause and she was just a mess. And so I took her case because I, she was on five psych drugs. Wow. Including one that's used for um, schizophrenia. I mean, and she was just a zombie. She walks in, she could hardly talk. She was so drugged from these medicines. So I took her case and I figured out what remedy she needed. But I could see that she was so super sensitive that I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to give you this remedy, the 6C potency. I want you to take one dose Mm. wait two days and take another dose. So I wanted to take, I want you to take a dose every three days because mm-hmm. for someone like that, when they aggravate or if you get, give them too much, she could have a psychotic break. So I'm like, okay, you take one dose every three days. And then I want you to call me in 10 days or no, call me in three weeks. She calls me in 10 days and she was completely manic. She could hardly talk. She was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't sleep. I'm just pacing the blah, blah. I'm like, well, tell me what you're taking. Well, I started the remedy you took me and I'm taking it three times a day. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said once every three days. She goes, well, I started with that. She goes, but on the days I took it, I felt so good. I thought, oh, I'm going to take it. So I started taking it every day and I felt really good. And so I, I, you know, and so I started taking it twice a day. And then yesterday I had this big thing coming up. I thought, I need some extra energy. I took a third dose this morning, last oh night. Oh my goodness. I so I said to her, do you have any coffee in the house? <laughs> you the coffee pot. He won't buy a new coffee pot. I told him, get in. Do you have any coffee in the house? She goes, I think the beans in the freezer. I'm like, all right, go to the freezer, open up the coffee beans. I want you to put your face in there and just inhale it. She goes, snort the beans. I'm like, no, no, no. Just oh, because of the coffee is, is coffee can antidote homeopathic remedies. Right. And I said, so breathe in a big whiff of the coffee a couple of times and call me in 15 minutes. So she calls me back and she goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> I said, that was a homeopathic remedy aggravation. So for her, instead of taking a six C, so if her energy is here, and I'm going to give her a 6C, which is like this, and she uh-huh. takes it every day, the idea is to match the energy of the remedy where she is. Right. And then when she gets to this level, it's like you have to whack the tuning fork again. So then I give her the 9C, which is just a little bit stronger. Right. She takes it every day, and then it gradually builds her up like that. And then that's how you do it over time until their vital force begins to recover. And when they get up in the high potencies, they are pretty stable for a while. And then what happens is, especially, this is so true, especially in people who have hypothyroidism, they have to start slow and slow, huh? And the other thing you have to do is you have to have them get their thyroid levels checked regularly because if they're on thyroid medicine and you're beginning to wake up their own thyroid function, then what happens? All of a sudden, they got too much. Yeah, exactly. I run into that problem all the time where I'm and like, so look, you've got to, uh-huh. even if you've been on that dose for a particularly long time, as we start supporting more of the entire glandular system, right? You've got to, you've got to manage that. Uh, yeah, good point. Right. Because so, they, um, let's go over this just one more time because repetition is key for my mind, and I'm sure right. I'm not the only one. So C is a hundred. So X is ten. X is 10. Okay, right. so X is the least potent that has the less right. vibration. And it still has. It still has some of the original substance in it. 
Mm-hmm. It still has a few molecules of substance. So for example, there was a controversy a number of years ago where there were these teething tablets that had belladonna in them. Right. And some child had a reaction. I think it was actually a pretty bad reaction. Maybe even a child died. I don't remember. But there was this big whole kerfluffle about belladonna and why you shouldn't be taking it. You shouldn't give it to your kids for teething. Well, the tricky thing is, is that if you're only taking a 6X and it still has a few molecules of substance in it, it's still so dilute that the chance that it would cause your child to be really sick is very, very slight. Right. So um, once you've diluted a remedy out 12 times in 100 drops, which is a 12C, you have less than one over Avogadro's number of molecules. And for those of you who may have slept through chemistry class, Avogadro's number is 6 times 10 to the minus 28. So that's 10 followed by 28 zeros. And the number of molecules in a 12C would be 1 over 10 to the minus 28, 10, you know, followed by 28 zeros. So there's no actual substance in it. When you take a homeopathic remedy and you run it through a spectrogram, uh, they don't see any, the usual spike of a particular substance. So for example, we have a remedy called Lachesis Muta that is made from the venom of the most poisonous snake in South America, the Bushmaster snake. Mm. It's a remedy close to my heart because I took it for a number of years because the first thing uh, that I got treatment for when I started doing homeopathic treatment was uh, I had high blood pressure. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I am not going on drugs that I'm going to take the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. um, I took homeopathic lachesis for years, never had to take any uh, blood pressure medicine. Now my blood pressure is perfectly normal. Mm so lachesis is made from a snake venom. So if you were to take regular snake venom and you run it through a spectrogram, a spectrophotometry machine, it'll have a particular spike that'll say, okay, this is the identity, this is the chemical identity of snake venom. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take homeopathic snake venom that's been diluted out at least 12 times in the potency, all you're going to see is the milk sugar that they've poured it on to hold, make the pellets. You won't see any of the molecules of that snake venom. However, when you give it to someone who's indicated who needs that remedy, you'll see them begin to heal. Their symptoms will go away. And the reason their symptoms go away is because once the vital force gets the energy it's acting for, asking for, it's like, oh, thank you. Then I can stop giving you a headache. I can stop, like you said, screaming at you by giving you symptoms. And in conventional medicine, we think the symptom is the disease. And so we think, oh, well, when with a patient. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I often feel like I'm like, uh, you know, you're getting chased by the dog's tail. You're just running, running after all these symptoms. Right. All you're doing is suppressing the symptoms. It's like you're shooting the messenger. Your, your body, your vital force, your chi is asking, it's calling, it's screaming for something. And then when you just go and take, when a kid has a fever and you give them Tylenol, you're just like shooting the messenger that the message is trying to get from the fever. Right. So that's why even the healing action from the fever. I mean, that fever, Is that furnace is there to burn up whatever it is that's caused? That's right. right. And instead, we give our kids, you know, God forbid, if we give them aspirin and give them rye syndrome when they have a fever, or you give them Tylenol. And the thing is, you give them Tylenol, yeah, you'll get their fever down, but you're not going to be able to figure out what's the remedy because there are remedies that you can give kids when they have high fevers. Sure. Look at their whole symptom picture. Let's say you got a kid who's got a flu, and all of a sudden, they well, I'll give you the example of my grandson. When he was, he's now four, but when he was about 18 months old, I'm babysitting him one night and I go to put him to, uh, to bed and I pick him up and he's like burning up. I'm like, oh, sweetheart. Aww. I take his temperature. He's got a fever of like 101.8. Aww. 
And so I thought to myself, well, sudden onset of fever. I thought it was sudden because, you know, I didn't notice that he, I didn't know he had a fever. <laughs> Belladonna, which is the remedy we give for sudden onset of a fever when their face is kind of red and his face was a little red and dusky. And I give him the Belladonna. And if you get the right remedy, you're, you should te- te- check their temperature again in 20 minutes and you should see a change. It should start mm. to come down. His went up. I was like, okay, not Belladonna. I took one, gave him one other remedy. I don't remember what it was. And then I looked at him a little more closely and he had this like look where he could hardly keep his eyes open. His face was this dusty uh, kind of red color. Uh-huh. And the funny thing was, is for about a week before this happened, I would wake up in the morning and the first thought in my mind is a remedy called Baptisia Tinctoria. And I would wake up and I'm thinking, why am I thinking about Baptisia? I haven't read Baptisia in a long time. I haven't read about Baptisia. And then Happy, that's awesome. I looked in front of him and Baptisia has just that, a dusky kind of face, but they're known for what's called this besotted look where they look like they're like, they can hardly keep their eyes open. Wow. One dose and his temperature came down like that. And I think I gave him another dose in the middle of the night. By the next day, he was perfectly well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now we're, now we're talking fevers. Tell it, tell me about cold and flu, you know, low functioning yes. thyroid people, their immune system, they're, it's happening all the time. What, oh, what they're is- constantly having a cold or they're constantly in the, so there's two remedies that if people have a pen and paper, this is the remedy you want to write down. So mm-hmm. the two remedies that you should always think about whenever you have a cold, the first one is called ferrum. Phosphoricum and ferrum is spelled F as in Frank, E R R U M. It's made mm-hmm. from iron. Ferrum okay. phosphoricum is made from iron phosphate. So when they do the improving of it, they take the metal, they grind it up, they put it in a mother tinct, they make the mother tincture, then they dilute it out and succuss it. Do it thirty times, then they put it on little milk sugar tablets. So when you when you get these um, in the health food store, you open it up and there's one little pellet. That's what they look like. It's a little. I don't know if you can see it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little pellet. You put it under the tongue because the, the pellet is just a carrier for the energy that's released in the pharmacy when they dilute it and succuss it. Mm. So ferrum phosphoricum is the remedy for a cold or a flu that comes on slowly. So it's kind of like, mom, you know, I, I think I might be getting sick, but I'm not really sure. So you send them to school and maybe they're okay. But by the next day, they're like, mom, I really am, really feel horrible. Right. That's ferrum phosphoricum. So you want to give the 30C and you give it under the tongue and you can give it like every two to three hours mm-hmm. or a cold that comes on slowly, especially if they have like discomfort in the eustachian tube. Uh-huh. So that's a good remedy for bloody noses. So if you get a, cold, a kid who has a cold and every time they get a cold, they have a bloody nose, then ferrum phosphoricum is the remedy for that. Slow onset of a cold. Okay. However, let's say you're here in Colorado like we are. You go skiing. You ski up in the morning, you know, you go up here to what I call Windora, Eldora near us where it's really windy. <laughs> you ski all day, you're up on the chairlift, it's cold. And then, you know, I, this, you cut down and get down to the bottom of the hill at the end of the day. And all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, I got a little sore throat. I'm starting to feel like, what is this? The remedy you need is aconite, aconitum mm-hmm. napellus, which mm-hmm. is made from, it's such an interesting remedy. It's made from monk's hood. And this is a remedy that was used in the Middle Ages as a poison. They used to put this in people's wine and they would drink it and they'd keel over. But before they died, they had this horrible feeling like this premonition of death, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's, yeah, like, it's in like Shakespeare, isn't it? Aconite. It's exactly like that. Aconite. But, you know, so you can't give people poison, obviously, right? So you take that monkshood, the herb, you grind it up, you make a mother tincture and you dilute it out 30 times. 
-huh. Once you get to the 12C, you have less than one of our Avogadro's number. You have no molecules of substance of it. Mm -hmm. so it's a remedy for cold that comes on suddenly after exposure to a cold wind. And that cold wind can be outside, but it can also be like you're on an airplane and they're blowing the air conditioning. And how many times does that happen? Oh my gosh, do you recommend so many of your clients just travel with that? Like if oh, they're yeah. You know, all my clients that I take care of, you know, they all travel with, you know, we all travel with a little, I actually travel with a little lead-lined kit. Uh, but the number one remedy that I tell everybody about that you should never leave home without is arsenicum album. And yes, it's made from arsenic, and it's the remedy for food poisoning. Mm. So if you give arsenic, you know, God forbid your mother-in-law is trying to kill off your husband or your brother or whatever, and they're giving you, you know, they're poisoning you with arsenic. What's the symptoms that people get when they get arsenic poisoning? They get nauseous. They have these horrible stomach cramps. Like there's, their gut just feels like it's just gonna, it wants to squeeze itself to death. They get nausea. They get horrible stomach cramps, vomiting, diarrhea. And then they get these like shaking chills. And then they get these fevers. And they have this, this anxious feeling like, oh, my God, don't people die from this? Oh, my God. Right. They feel really, really anxious about their health. Like, oh, my God, I'm really sick. Right. I have treated myself five times now for food poisoning when I travel with this remedy. I never leave home without it. Oh, wow. What happened to me was on a ski trip on my way to Utah. And I'm going to meet one of my dear friends I've known for 30 years. And he is a medical malpractice attorney. He sues doctors for a living. So he worships on the altar of academic um, conventional medicine. These drugs work for this. And if you don't do it, then I'm going to sue you, right? I'm going to get you. I'm yeah. going to get you. So he picks me up at the airport and, you know, I got sick on the plane because I ate a sandwich in the Denver airport. By the time I get to Salt Lake, I'm like, you know, the whole, <laughs> thank God for airbags. But unfortunately, right as the plane starts to land, I jump up to go use the bathroom. The bathroom is full. And so I said to the flight attendant, you know, he pulls out the trash can. I had to throw up in the galley trash can. It was so embarrassing. So Tom picks me up at the airport and he looks at me, he goes, what happened to you? And I'm like, I got food poisoning. And so we had to stop three times before I can get to the hotel. But I kept taking the remedy because I never travel without it. And I took it every 15 minutes and then every 30 minutes and then every half an hour. And of course it did make me throw up because that's what the body does. That's what the remedy does, yeah. The, the, you know, because, but here's the thing, because I haven't taken a prescription drug in over 30 years, my, I've only done homeopathy, so my system is very well-tuned. Yeah. So what happened is when I first had that, that bite, when I finished the sandwich, I started to feel sick just not even, as soon as I got up from the table, I started right. to feel a little lightheaded because right. it's the energy of right. that bacteria right. that affected my system. And so, so I, go to, I, you know, I take the remedy, I fall asleep, I slept for about an hour. I wake up at 11 o'clock. I go into the other room and I'm like, hi, how are you? I'm fine. He goes, what happened to you? I said, I had food poisoning. He goes, no way. Food poisoning takes 24 to 48 hours to incubate, blah, 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 says the lawyer to the doctor, right? And I'm like, that may be true. I said, for some people, it may take that many days for them, their body to mount a response, especially if their immune system is really weak. Right. But for those of us who have a really good, finely tuned um, energetic system, my system reacted immediately to the energy that was in the bacteria before it even got anywhere deeper into my gut. 
That is amazing, Kathy. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the lawyer doctor thing. Too. I know. He's like giving me this lecture. And so, um, so I took the remedy again in the middle of the night and I took it again the next morning. I had a huge breakfast the next morning and I skied for three days straight with no problem. And he was like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's Kathy. still not a believer. He thinks what I do is complete woo-woo. Right. Well, right. <laughs> right. Which a lot of people think that. We're know. in good company, Kathy. Very good yes. company. Yes. Um, Kathy, if somebody wants to make a session with you or find out more about your work, where do they head to? So they can go to my website at drkathyfry.com. That's Dr. D-R-K-A-T-H-I-F-R-Y.com. And I also have written a couple of books if they're interested. This one called Vitality, which you can get on Amazon. This one kind of tells a little bit of the history of homeopathy and it has a little section in the back for common remedies. And then I wrote this one, my latest one, because my patients begged me to write it. Because every time they get sick, they're like, Dr. Fry, every time I get sick, you tell me what to write. I put it on a sticky note. Then I can't remember when my kid is sick again, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote this book called What's the Remedy for That? And I took all the remedies that you can get in the health food store Mm. and uh, basically wrote about all those remedies. Because, you know, there's like six remedies for flu and five for cold. Well, how do you know which one to take? Well, that's why I wrote the book. And the number of phone calls I get on the weekend is like almost zero now. They're like, oh, I just looked in your book. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then um, I know that you have a couple of new projects coming up too. Can you explain those real quick? Yeah. So I just did a, uh, a video series on a website called Safe Baby Healthy Child. And I put together a, a series of videos teaching people how to use the remedies that are in this book. And there's a kit that we'll be selling that has 20 of the most common remedies that you need. Uh, to treat colds, flu, accidents, scrapes, bladder infections, food poisoning, uh, diarrhea, the most common things that every family should know how to treat that you can treat at home without having to take your kid to the ER in the middle of the night. Yeah, spending a lot of money on that or even, you know, taking your kid in and not actually getting anything. Well, or like you get an antibiotic for what you know is a virus and you're like, wait a minute, even I know as a mother that you, that antibiotics don't work for a virus, but doctors write prescriptions because patients feel like, look, I've come to the hot doctor. I've paid you this money. I at least need to give me something. I need to have but, something. Yeah. yeah. So as a doctor, if you say, well, you know what, just keep them hydrated and do this. And you're like, well, why did I even come and see you? So that's why they write them a prescription. And this right. is why we have antibiotic resistant bacteria. Right. They've been taking antibiotics for things that they don't work for. And the beautiful thing is once you, this is something everybody can do. Once you look at your child and you just look at the simple symptoms, do they have a red face or not? Is their face red or pale? Like for colic, for example, if you have two babies. Yeah, it's kind of black and white, kind of comparing, right? It can be, you know, it can be. Sometimes it's a little more subtle. But like if you have a baby that has colic, um, and you know, you're taking them out on the, driving them around the car, you're putting them on the dryer to sleep at night, right? To get them to go to sleep. Well, if you have a baby that has colic and you put a hot water bottle on them and that soothes them, then they need pulsatilla. If they kick the bo- hot water bottle off and try to bite you, they need chamomilla. So right. very simple kind of things that you can do. And just with these little pellets under the tongue, you can give them to babies in water, you give them to your little kids. And you can bring you can give them to pets and animals too, right? Give them to pets and animals. And that's why when people say, oh, well, it's placebo. It's like, you know what? Your dog doesn't know what you're giving them and it still works. <laughs> right. He doesn't know that they had a fever of 103 and now they don't, right? They don't know what you gave them. Right. So yeah, that's, so I'm basically on a mission kind of tell, 
to you know teach everybody how to do this because we are so over medicated in our society mm. and because all these drugs do is they just shoot the messenger they suppress the symptom they don't get at the underlying cause well and then it just comes back to haunt you later right? it comes back or it gets worse you know you suppress a like you have kids who have eczema for example i talk about this in one of my books you have a little girl that i saw that you know from the time she was a kid uh, from birth almost, they, she had um, eczema. So they gave her mother steroid cream to put on that. So they suppressed the rash with a steroid cream and the ra every time she'd get the rash, they give her more steroid cream. And right. then she was about seven or eight, she developed asthma, which is really common in kids who have psoriasis or eczema. They go on to develop asthma. So they started giving her all these asthma meds and inhalers and all that kind of stuff. And then when she was about 13, um, she developed this... Um, uh, she became hyper, she became like uh, hyper in school, like she couldn't sit still. And so then they started giving her, um, you know, ADD meds. And then when I saw her, by the time I saw her, she was like 14. And she'd been sent to me from her pediatrician because she had such horrible cramps. They wanted me to put her on birth control pills. Yeah. So I'm taking her case and I'm looking at, wait a minute, here you have a 14 year old girl who's on steroids for, at, for um, asthma and an inhaler, steroids for her eczema, and she's also on um, ADD meds, two of them. And now on top of that, talking about her body screaming, like you said, you know, it's like the, her body has been trying to get her attention since she was a baby. So instead of putting her on birth control pills, I treated her homeopathic, homeopathically for the cramps, the asthma, the eczema and the ADD. And basically she needed only two remedies. It mm. took a few years, but eventually she got off all of her ADD meds, her asthma went away. And the last thing that went away was the first thing that was suppressed and that was the eczema. Oh, right. and that usually happens, right? Like you gotta go backwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same in Chinese medicine, isn't yeah, it? Very similar, very yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. Kathy, I love talking to you. I and bet we're gonna again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, anytime. Yeah, great. So people can get in touch with you at um, drkathyfry.com. Dr. Yeah. And then if you want to get in touch with me, you know where to reach me. It's at kristensavory.com. Take a look. We've got some new things on the site. And um, there's going to be ebooks as well as a Master Your Hormones program. So we're getting some things together so that you can feel your very best every day. Awesome. Um, Great having you, Kathy. Thank you. My pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow. Well, I guess I won't see you because you're not teaching tomorrow, but I'll see you Monday. I will see you soon. Right early, every yoga morning, every morning. Great. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you later. We.